It's the scripture, as Jillian said, for, uh, for Trinity Sunday. Listen for God's word. This is Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples uh, in John's account of the Last Supper. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The church I grew up in frowned on dancing. Um, they... Uh, you know, it was, it was, let's just say, it was not encouraged. Now, it was, it was more relaxed for me than it was uh, for my parents or my grandparents. I would hear stories from my parents and my grandparents. It wasn't just that dancing was forbidden. It was also cards, drinking, smoking, and going to movies. All were forbidden. The joke that we had growing up in my church, well, so we told on the side <laughs> the joke that was passed around unofficially was that uh, that the church uh, forbade sex outside of marriage because they were afraid that it would lead to dancing. That was the joke. And so I never went to a prom. We didn't have a high school prom. We had a, pre we had a banquet. You know, boys go ask each other out on dates, get all dressed up, take the limousine to a banquet facility where we would all sit around and eat and then watch a hypnotist. And then, wow. The, 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 the expectation was that we would go home. Not everyone went home. Uh, and that was a cause for consternation as well uh, for the adults. But, yes, as I've been suggesting, so, it, I mean, just like in Footloose, right? You know, the kids found a way to do what they needed to do, which was to dance. And so there were uh, some cool upperclassmen who uh, would rent, you know, or get donated garages, basements, you know, wherever we could find, wherever they could set up their sound system and play all, and it was great because it was student-led, so it, you only knew about it by word of mouth, and they played all the best music, and it was even extra fun because it was, I mean, this is the great thing about growing up in a very uh, sort of restricted uh, uh, sort of culture is that it doesn't take much to rebel. <laughs> There's always something to rebel against. It's very easy to do that part of being a teenager if you grew up in a community like mine. And uh, 
you know, um, so needless to say, I am an enthusiastic and hopelessly awkward dancer. Let me prove it to you. Here is a recent video from the wedding, that uh, family wedding in Michigan from a few weeks ago, shot by one of my very kind and loving daughters. Nevertheless, it is my goal. Dancing lessons is on my list. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, get my moves down. So obviously, I love to dance, even though I'm terrible at it. And part of me—that's a part of me that is still rebelling because I think the church of my growing up was completely wrong about dancing. In fact, I not only do I think. God loves dancing. I think God is the dance. Let me explain. It all starts with this strange church doctrine called the Trinity. You should know up front, the word Trinity appears nowhere in the Bible. It is something that early Christians made up to try to make sense of what, of their experience and of what they found in the Bible, which is references, Jesus referred to God as Father, then they also understood Jesus to in some way be divine. And then Jesus also talked about this Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. In fact, so Jesus and the Father are so one that they're indistinguishable especially in the Gospel of John. John claims that Jesus existed and before creation and cre says that Jesus created the universe. The word he uses is logos. The, log the logos was, was with God and the logos was God. So we have this God, the Father who is God. We have God, this, this God, Jesus who is God. And then we have this Holy Spirit. How are we supposed to make sense of this? And so they decided, well, it's Trinity. You know, it's three in one, one in three. Totally makes sense, right? So Christians have been defending this doctrine from day one. Jews, of course, they're like, look, no, there's one God. It's clear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When Muhammad received the revelation from the angel Gabriel, and uh, uh, the revelation that led to the religion of Islam. That was the Islam that, to this day, to this day, many, if you ask Muslims what they think about Christians, many of them will say, you guys, look, fine people, you are polytheists, right? Either two of those three are not really God, or you're worshiping three gods. Three in one does not make sense. And I have to say, you know, that's what the Unitarian, you know, we have Unitarian uh, churches. That's what that was all about. Unitarians were Congregationalists. 
Unitarians were congregationalists who looked at the doctrine of the Trinity and they were like, nope, don't make sense. There's only one God, Unitarian. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, cool, not God. Yep, those are, those are our ancestors. So, so again, and I have to admit, growing up, I thought the Trinity, again, it's just, I... It's as as Jillian was saying. It's frustrating because we want answers, and it feels uncomfortable to not have answers. However, I discovered a few things as an adult. The main discovery was that the doctrine of the Trinity is designed to not make sense. The word that Jillian used is mystery. And I appreciate now how important it is that the God that we serve is a mystery. It is God is beyond our rational minds. Um, the word that some of these early Christians used to try to talk about the Trinity was a Greek word called perichoresis. This is an old, old idea. This goes back to the first centuries of Christianity. And it's a Greek word. It literally means dance around. Dance around. What is God? God is dancing around. That's the God that we serve, is dancing around. And, uh, and the reason why this was such a revelation to me, first of all, this, this doctrine of the Trinity is designed to, it's a paradox. It's just like Jesus is human and divine. It's just like Jesus rising again. It's meant to kind of wear down our rational mind to get us out of our heads and to get us right here. This is where we meet this dancing around God. God is one, God is many. God is everyone and everywhere always moving this life energy of the universe. So why is this important? Well, the first reason that it's important is because human beings are wired for control. We want to control things. And one of the ways that we control things is by understanding them, by creating a concept about them so that we can manipulate them. And the fact that we can't grasp God with our reasoning minds means that God can never be weaponized. 
Does that make sense? God can never be fashioned into a tool that we can either uh, rhetorically or in whatever way be used to harm others. If there is a church or a Christian or a person who has weaponized God to harm other people, that is not God. Does that make sense? That's why the doctrine of the Trinity is so important. God will forever be beyond our grace. Always on the move. So, secondly, we can give up on this idea of having some special claim on God. Yes, we meet God here, but we meet God potentially everywhere in our lives. In every person and in every moment and in every circumstance. This completely changes our relationship to the world. We can, act and we can go out into the, we can let go of the idea that the world owes us anything as a church and go out uh, into the world and get curious. We can ask, how is God already at work in the lives of the people around us? What kind of dance are they doing? How can we learn the rhythms of their lives, match their steps? How can we create new choreographies of joy and justice together? So, the first important piece of the doctrine of the Trinity, God cannot be weaponized. Second is, we can give up our special claim on God and instead get curious about how God is showing up anytime in any place. Among people who agree with us and those who don't. Doesn't matter. Third, another thing we learn from our dancing God is not to get stuck. So, related to our human tendency to want to manipulate and control, another tendency of our human brains is to get fixated on things. Have any of you ever been fixated on things, either in the past or in the future? Things that you, some, you just can't let go of. That is getting stuck. And God, the dancing God, the God on the move, wants us to be free. We cling to things we like and we avoid in all circumstances things we dislike. This is the human mind that the Trinity invites us to step past. When it's time to celebrate, we celebrate and then move on. When it's time to grieve, we grieve and then move on. We honor the past without idolizing it. The past is gone. God is on the move. The past was wonderful. It was nothing like what we remember it to be because that is also a feature of our human brains. It's wonderful to have memories, but we don't get stuck in them. We don't cling to them. New information comes in, we take it in, and we let it go. A vital church is an unstuck church. Churches tend to get stuck trying to preserve a past that never was, 
or get caught up in some dreams of the future that may or may not come to pass, when all the while God is dancing with and in and among us. Right here. An unstuck church. The other thing about this dancing God is, is it's a whole body experience. You can't, we live so much of our lives at a remove from our lives. We, stand, we tend to stand outside of, maybe you're standing outside this experience right now. Do I like this? Do I not like this? Do I agree? Do I disagree? Do I understand? Do I not understand? I don't know if I'm going to come back again next week. Who is this guy? What is he even talking about? And all of this time, there's this monologue going on. How much inner monologue is... I'll tell you, when I was doing that dance with my wife that you saw in the video, the amount of inner monologue going on was zero. Zero. I had, I mean, all the concentrations on step, 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 step. And that is, those are, look, you've had moments like this. I know you have. You've been gardening, and suddenly you discover that an hour has passed, and you didn't know where that time went. Right? You're listening to a piece of music, and it's over in a second, and it was five minutes long. You're playing with your grandchild, and where did the time go? Those are, this is how we meet God. There's only one way to meet the God of the dance, and that is to throw yourself into it. <laughs> you just got to do it. That's what church is. Throwing yourself into your life every moment. Good, bad, difficult, frustrating, confusing. This is your life. And where is God when you're confused? Here. Where is the life that you're looking for, that you're hoping for? Right here. This is your life. It's the one that you got. <laughs> and so there's a great freedom in being unstuck. An unstuck church, while, you know, look, we... I'm, I'm like everyone, I want people to like me. As a church, you know, it's good to want people to think well of us. But in the end, like a dance, at some point you have to step past worrying whether people are watching or not and just do it. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you're never going to know the joy of the dance. You're never going to know it if you're always worried about what would someone think. And that, by the way, is the Christian definition of freedom. It's not, oh, I get to do whatever I want. It's no, I get to follow God and to join in this dance of compassion and love and joy with abandon. That's what freedom is. I get to drop my analyzing mind and sort of say, you are like it, don't I like it, and just do it. 
That's what Christian freedom is. As, our, as a congregation, we are in a time of transition. We know this to talk about all the time. And if we're going to make it through to the other side, and we're going to make it through to the other side, we're, going to make it, we're not going to make it through to the other side by reasoning our way through it. I mean, I know you guys have tried this, right? You, right? Well, all the time we think, well, rational argument, that will solve the problem. There's all kinds of rational argument going on in our world right now. And look, all we do is spend our time arguing with each other. And again, look, there is a place for reason. It's fine. I love rational argument. But in the end of the day, that is not the whole of the truth. We are not going to reason our way through this. We are not going to fight our way through this. We are going to dance our way through it. We're going to dance our way through it. Right? Sometimes you take the lead. Sometimes you step back. Sometimes your toes get stepped on. What then? What do you do? And again, someone steps on your toe. What do you do? Well, look, think about it. It's human to think, who's really in charge here? Who's really in charge? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who's really in charge? What do you think's going on with me? What do you think's going on with God right now? Power battles? If that's who God is, is one cosmic power battle among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's going to be rough. That's going to be rough for me. Instead, with a dance, sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow. It's not a big deal. What's important is the dance. So let's learn the steps together. Let's listen to the music, feel the rhythm, and celebrate the mystery of the sacred dance. Amen.